Hey, everybody, and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. This is Katie Weaver, and I'm here with my partner in crime, co-host and sister Christy Brower. Hello. Hello. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Good. Really good. You know, I'm I'm tired of fog. We've had like this weird fog, freezing fog for the last three days. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes everything so slick you can barely walk outside. <laughs> and it's like an entire ice coating over your car, which is kind of weird. Um, yeah. But other than that, I'm I'm really good. I, I you you inspired me yesterday, and I got a new tablet. Yeah, because I needed some new tech. It was time for some better tech for specifically case research. Me too. And, yep. You know, I don't know about you guys, but when I get a new piece of technology, I'm like a kid in a candy store for a while. I love it. I play with it constantly. I'm mm-hmm. I'm such a techie. Uh, so I've been having a lot of fun with it, frankly. Nice. Me too. I, yeah, for the same reason, I, I am tired of packing my big laptop around or yeah. constantly staring at my little phone screen to read articles and do research. And I finally went, this is so dumb. Why don't I buy a tablet? Yeah. And we were in Boise this weekend to pick up our car. Our car's all fixed from the, uh, the accident. Yep. And uh, we were, we were, we have two uh, dogs that are our uh, kids. So, you know, there are our, our fur grandbabies and one of them got neutered on Friday and his mama had to work all weekend. So she asked us to come and stay with him because she felt bad about him having to be home alone. And he ran around like his hair was on fire all weekend. I don't think no. he, he got neutered, but <laughs> <laughs> he actually he did look rather precious in his cone. I will say, Oh my gosh, we had to put the cone on him finally. Cause he did start doing some licking and, you know, acting itchy, you know, and oh yeah, it was hysterical because he's a little Shih Tzu and his whole body's been shaved down except for his head and face. And so then you put the cone on him and he's got all this hair up in the cone and this little skinny body. Oh my God. Hilarious. Yeah. Poor kid. Yeah. But at any rate, I grandparents. Yeah. So while we were down there, I said, you know what? I, I really want to buy a new tablet. Started doing a little research, found what I wanted. I am always difficult like this. I don't know why, but the thing I found that I wanted. I don't think I'll ever go car shopping with you again. I'm just oh, saying. God, the dress <laughs> shopping. Yeah. When yeah. our mom died, we went to 11 stores in one day for me to find a dress for her funeral. And I still came home empty handed. Yeah. yeah. Partly because I just didn't really want to be doing what we were doing, you know, right. and partly because God, I couldn't pick anything. I thought Christy and Scott were both going to kill me, but no. It did get a little extreme, but I it think was I okay. finally found something like the night before the funeral and it was just not even something I liked or wanted. It was just like, you just have to have something now. Yeah. You know, you can't really go in yoga pants. So here you go. And <laughs> <There you> <laughs> anyway, so I found the thing I wanted in the whole Boise Valley. It was at Fred Meyer. There's like six Fred Meyers and one store had one. That was it. <laughs> of course. And so, uh, and it was a ways away from where we were, but you know, it didn't matter. We ran over there and they had it and I bought it and I got exactly what I wanted. So actually that's kind of cool. So, well, it's good when you get exactly what you want. Yeah, for sure. So I'm thrilled and I, me too. I've been using it for case research and putting stuff together and ideas and I'm thrilled. So, and so that's where it went to our team case today. So every week we do uh, one case, uh, we each do a cold read case that we present to each other, and then we do one team case. And, and this is not a psychic read because we got a 
real snitty comment about it last week. We do yeah. some cases that we don't read. So, yeah. you know, pay yeah. attention. That's all I'm saying. Uh, and this is one of them. This, this is just a presentation of uh, <laughs> a very interesting case that we thought was kind of wild. So anyway, yeah. What is it? Uh, like the last couple of weeks, we've the comments. My God. Yeah. You know, I mean, 99% of them are wonderful. And then there's 1% that you're like, you got to go in the deck for that. You know, (laughs) what the hell? (laughs) Just move along if you don't like us. Just see you later. You can tell what the collective's mood is by uh, Mm -hmm. comments because, uh, and it is true. And it's not that we have to have piles of praise. I I don't need that. Uh, But yeah, just the rude, we're totally misunderstood, you know, when people go after us because they think we said or did something and they're totally wrong, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think just this January has been a hard month and, and yeah. you can tell because people are pissed yeah. sometimes about the wrong stuff, but yeah. they're pissed. They're in a bad mood. We get it. We do get it. Yeah. But, we do. you know, maybe, um, I don't know, be nice, whatever. <laughs> or don't. Yeah. I mean, life will go on, but. Anyway, well, let's take a look at this case. You guys, I just, I love these old cases because it's such a neat peek into how things were then versus how things were, how things are now, right? Right. But the first thing that we have to get out of the way about this case is that it is about a man whose name is Francis (laughs) Drescher. Does that sound familiar (laughs) to anyone? That's correct. Grand Dresser. This killed me because trying to do some research and get some more background, all I can find is freaking Fran Dresser, the actress. No matter what I put in, I just constantly brought her up. Yep, me too. It's like she's the only Francis Dresser that's ever mattered in the whole world. Apparently. Well, this Francis Dresser was a very different. He was no uh, nanny. No, he was not. He killed a nanny, but he, he was. He did kill a nanny. nanny. Yeah. His own nanny, actually. So, yeah. So this was in Owen County, Indiana. And in this county, for a while, there had been an issue with people receiving, well, people being poisoned by strychnine. And what they had finally figured out is that they were receiving sample medication in the mail and taking it. And dying. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that sounds very shocking to us because would you ever just take some random medication that showed up in the mail? That on the phone to the order? FBI in 10 seconds if I got medication in the mail. <laughs> and it was uh, quinine. It was quinine. Yeah. Uh, people were receiving these sample meds in the mail and dying. And so, and this had been going on for quite a while, like upwards of 10 years. Yeah. And somehow people were still getting the quinine in the mail to take it. You can tell the internet did not exist then because clearly the information was not getting disseminated to the Mm -hmm. populace because they were still taking the freaking quinine samples. Yes. Now, we did discover that this is something that was actually pretty common uh, at the time. This was before the FDA, of course. And this is how some uh, companies got their medication out into the mainstream is by sending out samples. That is something that happened. It it wasn't a rarity. It was a common thing. Yeah. So, of course, people were not too suspicious when they received this in the mail. Although quite a bit of the meds that did get mailed out in about this time period were actually, you know, poisonous and killed people. There had been other cases. It wasn't the same thing at all. Mm -hmm. 
Well, right. Yeah. Sometimes they were just accidentally poisonous because, you know, mm -hmm. they uh, were trying to come up with a good med that wasn't, or people had an allergic reaction to it or, you know, took it with another medication no or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. they might send stuff out that had morphine in it or heroin, you know, because Bayer, mm -hmm. the okay. aspirin company, is actually who developed um, heroin. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, 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 or cocaine. <laughs> like, you, you look at it now and we're all like shocked, but this actually, mm -hmm. it wasn't that unusual. I still think I probably would have been terrified to take medication like that, just reading these stories. But again, yeah. no internet. So maybe people just didn't know. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. I would think likely they didn't. But, but even then, uh, what became big pharma was then little pharma that uh, there was a lot of money in. And yeah. so, this development of medications and getting customers was turning into booming business. Right. Yeah. And they, they would do things like look up the birth um, announcements in the paper and then send medication for babies yes. out to new mothers. Mm -hmm. Sadly, yeah. some of that medication killed babies because again, no regulation. Yeah. 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 This was a dangerous time to be alive. I'm just saying. For I mean, sure. It's now, but like this is... We have a lot of stuff in place to protect us from things like this that did not exist then. We do. And in fact, in the late 1800s, there was another person named Roland Molyneux yeah. who was charged and uh, convicted of killing two people by sending out anonymous medication. Yeah. He labeled the bottle Emerson's Bromo Seltzer. <laughs> And it was cyanide. Mm -hmm. Yep. So he killed two of his enemies that way. So nice. this, this apparently was a thing at the time and uh, also was sending out the meds. So with all yeah. of that being understood, our, uh, our villain in this story was the county coroner as well as the undertaker. <laughs> Anyone see a conflict of interest here? So I was immediately like, wait a minute. Yeah. I don't yep. think that should ever be the same guy. But so it was. Yes. So the belief was that he was killing people so that he could make his coroner job relevant in coming and pronouncing them and then earning money off of their families by being the undertaker. Yeah, cats. Now he killed what around 20 people? Yeah. Ish. I mean, they don't now, 100% know. They don't really know. What they do know is that uh, not all of the people that he killed were necessarily just uh, for profit because he started then killing people uh, that he had uh, beef with. Yeah. So he killed a political rival and he, he was trying to become the county recorder. And he... Uh, there was someone who, uh, you know, running against him, he sent them the, the poison stuff. They took it. They didn't die. That's the other thing. Lots of people took his stuff and became extremely ill, but didn't die. Yeah. So, he wasn't the best chemist. It seemed like uh, mm -hmm. dosing wise, some of them got a lot bigger dose than others. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So, yes, he did kill their nanny. Uh, now we're not sure if he killed the nanny on purpose. That one might have been an accidental death. We, it's possible that she uh, 
ingested some of his stuff because he did poison some people by putting cyanide in their sugar bowls. Yeah. And so it could be that she, that was an accidental death, but his wife says that she had been out of town, came home. The nanny was doing laundry and uh, collapsed on the floor with convulsions and foaming at the mouth and was clutching a pair of his pants in her hands and died. And they determined that she died from poisoning. So there was a doctor uh, that uh, had spoken to Francis and about her death. And he let the doctor know, well, she was often sad. So they decided must have been a suicide. Though, they decided uh, that in a bunch of these cases, they, even though they had, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Even though other things happened initially, a lot of these, they had decided that. Uh, now th- th- I keep saying cyanide. This is actually strychnine. It's strychnine. Yeah. So this, the other case was cyanide. The other this case was cyanide. cyanide. Yep. Strychnine yeah. poisoning is horribly painful. I can't imagine that people would want to kill themselves with strychnine. This is not going to be a fast death at all. It's an awful death. Right. So after this doctor had, uh, you know, visited with uh, the coroner whose nanny died named Maud, and he told her that, you know, he told the doctor that he was just, she was a sad person and they figured that she killed herself and he actually fell for it decided not to do an autopsy, said later that he felt like that was a, a huge uh, failure on his part. Within a couple of days, his whole family fell horrifically ill with strychnine poisoning and they tracked it back to their sugar bowl. So yeah. he tried to kill his whole family. Yeah. Because he was acting a little suspicious. Well, and got into their house or mailed some free sugar samples. Not like sure a- how it got there. Yeah. <laughs> them yeah yeah did you also get free sugar samples in the mail I, that one i don't know right yeah yep so there was then another man i a local man named frank mason he was ill and placed in the care of the local odd fellows lodge and francis was the coroner of course and he also helped care for this man and when he Fail violently ill. Dr. Gray was called again to the scene and Frank said to him, I'm poisoned, doc. Quick, get it out of me. He didn't get the poison out. However, he died. And they searched his room and found a small amount of poison, strychnine, on a paper in the room. And again, Francis, or ever our hero, <laughs> determined, uh, as the coroner, that it was indeed suicide. Mm-hmm. And he called a lot of them heart failure. They were mostly heart failure. Yes. If it wasn't suicide, then it was a natural death, the heart failure, even though yeah. the, their symptoms didn't match it at all. Yep. Yep. Then later that year, a young girl named Alice, I think we saw her newspaper clipping, Alice McHenry fell violently ill at the dinner table. Uh, her grandmother said she'd been suffering from headaches, and so she had come home from school with a headache. And grandma gave her a quinine tablet that had come in the mail. Within 30 minutes of ingesting the tablet, Alice was having convulsions and died. Yeah. So a doctor pronounced her dead. And then Francis showed up a little later and determined that she died from a cerebral hemorrhage. Why? 
We don't know. That's just Foaming what he at said. the mouth has all the symptoms of this. You know, here's the thing. This was all happening in the same county. Yeah. Because he's the county coroner. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm very confused about why the word was not spread somewhere to like, hey, if you get some quinine in the mail, definitely do not take it. Mm-hmm. Um, but clearly it didn't. Yep. Because they, well, because Francis was conveniently misnaming their causes of death. Yeah. In 1913, a traveling salesman named D.H. Johnson was in town. He walked into a local hardware store, threw his arms in the air, and started crying out for help before he dropped to the floor in convulsions. Luckily, guess who was nearby? Francis! To take the body and determined that the man had died of heart failure. He's the most efficient coroner slash undertaker I've ever heard of. I mean, he is there on the scene before the the guy. That didn't seem suspicious at all, right? No. Then a a lady by the name of Mrs. Strauss. Her husband died in a bizarre sudden way in 1914. After her husband's funeral, it was conducted by the one and only Francis. (laughs) He asked her if she lived alone, which he thought was kind of a strange question, but she confirmed that she did. Uh, Shortly thereafter, she received a sample of quinine in the mail which she took and she fell unconscious, but she did wake up. She didn't die. She gave the medication to authorities who confirmed indeed it was poison, but nobody's put two and two together yet. Francis is still on the move. He's just booming business, booming business. In June of 1914, Thomas Cairns was found dead in his home by his son. His son said he was in excellent health, had no previous heart problems. However, Francis said he died of mitral insufficiency. It's interesting how he keeps uh, making these claims when he really doesn't have the medical training to do so. But he's just Mm -hmm. still gets away with it. No, he's just the county coroner. And for, you know, we know with rural counties like ours, Mm -hmm. the county coroners are frequently not medical professionals. Mm -hmm. He's just also saying stuff. well, he is. And then he'd, he'd take them back and start embalming them real fast. And so they wouldn't end up getting autopsies because he'd, yeah. he was so efficient. He'd get the embalming done before they could come take the body. Yeah. If, they, if it was suspicious. Mm-hmm. And yet again, still, he's yeah. just booming business there. Yeah. He's just raking it in. Eleanor Baldwin was found dead by her husband when he returned home from a short trip. Uh, she was determined to have died from organic heart failure. We're getting very fancy now. Despite the family physician saying she had no heart problems. But there you go. Jacob Harris was found dead by his daughter. She, in March of 1914, she discovered him sitting up in a chair with white foam seeping out of his mouth. Uh, She claimed he had no heartbeat. Once again, Francis shows up on the scene and says heart failure. And the list goes on and on and on and on. Uh, Raymond really Lynn, known. yeah, John Rivers, James Goss, Jacob Goshorn, George Scott, they all died on unexpectedly healthy people by the same manner of uh, convulsions, foaming at the mouth, and they were all written off as heart failure by our one and only Francis Drescher. Yeah. So they finally started looking at him. 
they finally decided that maybe something was up. <laughs> a man came to town who was a post office inspector. He came with the intention of questioning Francis about the poison by mail plot. Uh, they had at that point already, the authorities had searched his home. So, you know, the locals are now uh, whispering about it. They're now starting to think that he is the person that is culpable for these crimes. Uh, you know, now we have like federal authorities in town and his wife has been out of town when she came back. Smart woman. I bet she also doesn't take quinine. I'm guessing she doesn't. I, I can't think that his wife didn't know. There's weird she stuff with his so. wife. Yeah. yeah. But she was gone a lot. She was gone a lot. And so one afternoon, he sends his two children to the movies, leaves a note that says, no, the note is so weird. It is. It, it says that he has eaten a, ratchet, a radish and his heart is broken. At least that's what the newspaper said. There's actually a little uh, a little change here. Uh, but that's what the newspaper says that he said that his note said that he's eaten a radish and his heart is broken and he leaves instructions on how his body is to be cared for. So she comes home from wherever she's been and he is dead. And uh, she swears this was heart failure, though uh, the official <laughs> death from the whatever coroner came to see him listed it as suicide. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, after his death, three more people come up with strychnine poisoning, you know, because he sent all this shit out and it kept coming. Yeah. So now how people continue to uh, take quinine that came in the mail after all of this, I don't really know. But I then, know. yeah. So that's what happened. There is an article in the Herald Democrat uh the Hoosier State Chronicle newspaper uh, on the 11th of June, 1915, uh, laying out the uh, details of the case. Uh, basically, uh, they were quite sure that he did, in fact, kill himself, and they were quite sure that he did do all of this. They actually removed his stomach and sent it off to uh, another place to have it in uh, inspected. Because they wanted to be sure that he really did die of strychnine poisoning. And it was actually inconclusive. But. Yeah. But there yeah. was some thinking he may have injected it rather than ingested yeah. it. Mm -hmm. They do think he may have injected it. So. He did have a little bit of his blood. Mm -hmm. Yep. So at the end of the day, he was basically just tried, you know, by the. Uh, by public opinion and people absolutely did believe that this is what happened, you know, that he was the, uh, the culprit after the three people that uh, had strychnine poisoning after he died, there was no more. It stopped happening, which again, really made people think it really was him. Uh, yeah. yeah. So that's what happened Christy. Do you have anything you want to add to that? Uh, not really just that um, it, it really shows us how much different life is now. Yeah. Uh, and how much things have changed and how much government regulations mm -hmm. have changed. You know, obviously, if someone sent you medication in the mail now, you would be dialing 911 on, you know, very quickly. And you would most definitely not be taking any sample meds that came to you in the mail. 
Um, also this idea that he was the coroner and the undertaker, like that would never fly now. Mm -mm. Um, Mm -mm. so I would imagine that cases like his changed things a lot and actually brought about positive changes in regulation that to protect us from things like this being able to even happen at all. Yeah. Because it is a scary thought to think that that was actually possible and that he got away with it and killed as many people as he did. And we, we don't even know for sure how many people he killed. Yeah. Right. Cause this went on for at least nine years that they are tracking. It could yeah. have been longer. And of course yeah. uh, it, there could have been many more people than they realized just based on the way they died. And yeah, it's right. so crazy. It is. It's wild. But, you know, if you ever wonder why there's so much regulation, this is why, (laughs) of medication. Um, Also, though, you know, this kind of brings to light, as we know, pharmaceutical companies have done a lot of shady things to Mm -hmm. make a lot of money. And even back in, you know, the 1910s, they were doing shady stuff, like Mm -hmm. mailing samples to people who just had a baby of medication that may or may not have been safe for that child, you know. Mailing out needed stuff for it. that child. Yeah. 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 It does for me kind of highlight that, that when you look at the, the fact that people weren't that surprised the medication was coming for free in the mail that hadn't been prescribed by a doctor, you didn't know for sure what it was. Yeah. Did you actually even need to take it? You know, those questions mm-hmm. were not answered. And yeah, I mean, I, I have, I find pharmaceutical companies to be pretty sketchy now. Um, you know, we all know that there's stuff that yeah. goes on there, but boy, I didn't realize that it had started back this far. Yep. You know, it's, it's a little like all of the commercials on TV here in the U S for medication. Oh, yeah. You know, that's totally illegal everywhere else, but of course here it's not. And, you know, they always end those, um, those commercials by ask your doctor today. Yeah. You're just going to go in and ask your doctor about some random medication you saw on TV. Like that's, mm-hmm. What the yeah, hell? Do I would love to ask my doctor this question now. I'll bet people do constantly. Or like, do you think mm-hmm. I need Cialis? Uh, no, you definitely don't. First you know? of all, that's for men. Secondly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> but yeah, I bet they do. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, Doctor Google is bad enough for all of us, but then this kind of <laughs> pushing of medication—scary. Mm-hmm. It's really scary. And so they've just found another way to do it. They can't send it to you in the mail, so now they put it on media everywhere so that we all see it and know the names of these medications, whether they have anything to do with our personal health or not. Yeah. 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 Sketchy. Well, we learned a couple of years ago about uh, how much pharmaceutical companies will roll out their red carpet. Uh, Christy and I went to, uh, wow. We went to an immunity conference and we went to it because uh, we both have immunity issues and we went to this immunity conference yeah, we were already going to town for a bridal shower and it just kind of dovetailed nicely to go to both events. And yeah, it was not expensive at all to go and stay in this really nice hotel. Like there was an amazing package deal. They fed you fantastic food. But yeah. the thing that really blew our minds is that the hallway in front of the event center was absolutely loaded <laughs> with vendors from pharmaceutical companies, absolutely chomping at the bit to talk to us, get us on their email list and fill our arms with free gifts. We came home with so much stuff from that thing. It was just embarrassing. It was insane. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Water bottles and chapstick and t-shirts and hand sanitizer and bags and pens and and 
oh yeah teddy bears and yeah like we got these really nice like steel water bottles like not cheap ones oh yeah it was like they spared no expense at all hand warmers and and uh ice packs and oh god i could go on for an hour it was crazy but every booth you walk past they're like oh girls come over here let me give you all of this you know yeah and they were the companies that produce the plasma that i get infused every week And so they were all the different plasma infusion um, pharmaceutical producers, you know, wanting you to take their version. It's Mm -hmm. all the same thing. They just, you know, Mm -hmm. they all treat it a little bit differently, but it's, you know, it's basically all exactly the same thing, but there are several companies that compete for it, for your business. It's just, Mm -hmm. it was bizarre. It was crazy. We were so uncomfortable. (laughs) I know it was just the pressure was crazy. It was crazy. Well, just walking, watching other people who obviously like go to this conference every year. They were absolutely. They might as well have had shopping carts the way they were loading mm-hmm. up. <laughs> <Just cleaning laughs> up <their> stuff. <laughs> and we're like, uh, can I have one of those? And they're like, well, of course. Here, take one of everything. You know, and mm-hmm. here, let me just dump my whole basket into your bag. Yeah, yeah. We'd never been to anything like this. We had no idea. Um, it was really, really bizarre. It was very strange. Yeah. We haven't been back. It was no much for us. <laughs> it didn't feel, you know, I mean, the speakers and stuff, the information was good, but it felt mm-hmm. like it was so much. The main purpose was to advertise these pharmaceutical companies to uh-huh. you that it was just like, I don't. Yeah, no, I'm good. Very. I, I think my doctor and I will decide which brand of plasma I'm going to get, you know, like yeah. it was weird. But I mean, really, I mean, that that's that is the face of pharmacy or pharmaceuticals, you know. And, and it is. you know, not it's, to completely malign pharmaceuticals, there is definitely a, a huge place for them in our world. But yeah, the way they are marketed to us and pushed on us obviously has been gross from the get go. I mean, obviously. back in 1915, this was still back where they were like traveling out of a, you know, a wagon and showing up at carnivals and, you know, street fairs and things and hawking their goods. It, yeah. it was that kind of an era, you know. And you didn't. You really had no way of knowing what was in it. Was it safe? What yeah. were the do- What was the dose? You know, just that information mm-hmm. was not out there. Yeah. So I, it, it certainly made it possible for Francis Drescher to get away with what he did for so long. Mm-hmm. Yep, without a doubt, and probably so many others. You know, he just happened oh, to finally yeah. just get caught. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes, he did. All right. Well, there you have it. So uh, we'll be back tomorrow with our last case for the week. And if you didn't catch our first case this week, our first case this week was another, our second case in our series this year, focusing on murdered and missing indigenous women. And you definitely want to take a look at that case. It came out of Montana, a very important case to uh, give us some attention yeah, to. And to. Yep. But we'll be back tomorrow with our last case for the week. The other thing you guys, we want you to know is that we are moving the times of our live streams. So historically, our live streams are on Wednesday nights with case updates and Thursday nights with the Psychic Hour, and we've been doing them at 8 p.m. Mountain. We are permanently changing those shows to 7 p.m. Mountain starting this week. So if you come at 8, you're going to miss us. So make sure that you, uh, you know, if you'd like to come to the live stream, put that on your calendar. That's going to be a permanent change. Um, we're listening to you East Coast folks who uh, were keeping up too late at night. <laughs> We're we're moving an hour earlier to make it better for everybody. Definitely. Yep. All righty. Well, we will be back. This has been True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Take care. Bye, guys.
If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is a short girl productions podcast.